This Bar Can Talk, a podcast about bartenders and the stories they have to tell, as well as the storied history of spirits, cocktails, and bars. I'm your host, Leanne Sims, along with my partner in crime, Blair Beavers. Hello. uh, We're doing things a little differently today. We are actually taking the show on the road, and our first stop is Pints, Pints and Union here in New Albany, Indiana. We're here with Joe Phillips, the owner of Pints and Union. Thanks for doing the show, Joe. Thank you. So I was reading on the website that um, you are a progressively old world public house, creative small plates, classic cocktails, and comfort beers. Was that a concept that you came up with? Uh, I did um, over a long period of time. a friend of mine, Roger Baylor, and I uh, were talking about um, bringing back something that's been kind of lost in in bars um, that kind of dates us, things we missed from the 1990s, from the 80s, um, environments before there was TV, when there was more of a focus on actually hanging out. Sure. Um, less on being distracted or overwhelmed or kind of sold in some hyped up gimmick, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, And he had owned a public house before and um, he's not a owner per se, but um, um, he definitely has influence here. Okay. So I, I just, took some of what I learned from him in the past and brought it to life. Okay. Yeah, I noticed down here in the bar area there are no TVs, which I love. Correct. And there won't be. It was a culmination, definitely, of things we enjoyed from the past. Um, And then things I've experienced in my career in traveling. I just brought it to life. So, have you been a bartender? Or is this a new thing for you? Okay. No, I've... I've been in the industry since I was 15 for 30, oh, wow. 30 years this year. Here yeah. in New Albany? No, no, in Louisville. Okay. Yeah, uh, all in Louisville for the most part. Um, I was actually working at Copper and King's Brandy Distillery as their food and beverage hospitality director and consulting for them. And I got offered this space by a developer who's known me uh, from the industry. Um, and I was pretty obsessed with the Dead Rabbit out of New York and with Treehouse in Nashville. And I, don't know, I took the craziest risk ever, fucking suicide, right? Uh, <laughs> I'm a total idiot, really. So I uh, let the space speak to me because that's kind of how I operate. I've consulted for people, I've helped a lot of people open. I've been their opening GM. Or, I've been hired to fix their problems. I've been, you know, I've been that guy for a long time. And I wasn't looking for New Albany at all. If anything, I was looking for Butchertown, Mm -hmm. to be honest with you. Um, And this building was built in the 1800s and it had always been some sort of a pub or a bar or a general store or something. And um, it's uh, just kind of weird. I just came in and was like, I can feel it and so I chose where to put everything 
you know, I designed my back bar. I picked all the equipment. There's only me. So I built the kitchen, which is super tiny and efficient. Um, everything uh, was really, really intentional. Um, a lot of okay. United Kingdom influence in gotcha. subtle ways. Uh, originally, the idea was to have a lot of international street food kind of rotating. That's fun. Well, United Kingdom, right? Yeah. So they, people wanted to say, because we brought up the word English or Welsh or whatever. My family's Welsh and I don't have a flag anywhere, clearly. Uh, but they want to pigeonhole you with, with like, you know, oh, you don't have the standard garbage things on the menu. Well, no, United Kingdom colonized three quarters of the planet at one point in time. So my window's pretty wide. Yeah. They're just not very bright about, you know, their perception of like, they like to put you in a hole, you know? If anything, we, you know, we're doing more Indian than anybody over here. We're doing more curry, we're doing, you know, tikka, we're doing, we don't have fish and chips anywhere on the menu, you know, for that reason. Right. Uh, so uh, we had to kind of dumb it down and um, make it more approachable for this demographic. Um, yeah. Speaking of that, um, I was here for the first time a couple of months ago, and I ordered a um, old Cuban, mm -hmm. and I went upstairs and I had some, I think I had a scotch egg and some other stuff, mm -hmm. and um, the guy who made the drink for me walked by and said, hey, how'd you like that old Cuban? And I said, oh, it was great. It was really great, well-made. I love this classic cocktail. And he said, wow, I can't believe you know that's a classic cocktail because most people around here don't know that. Yeah. So what's it like having classic cocktails in a small town like New Albany? Are people receptive or how are you finding that? How's that going? Uh, that's a great question. I'm glad somebody's finally asked me that. So it's been a trip because like when we, when we opened, uh, I believe in kind of changing the tide you know, doing really what you believe in, not what you're told to do or you think you should do. Um, so I had a liquor rep over here very specifically that um, when I said I want to do a gin and tonic program, because most people have garbage gin and tonics, and if you have a really good one, which is very simple, not a bougie, pretentious thing, it's it's great, you know? It's like shit beer from good beer. It's like everything else, you know? Right. Just keep it simple. I keep the price point under 10 bucks and like think about what you're doing. Um, and my beverage director at Calvin, uh, we were looking at Fever Tree. Fever Tree tonic just made stuff too expensive over here. And I really wanted to keep everything around seven to eight dollars. So he made a tonic serve that was actually better tasting at the end, which was really shocking. And not that he couldn't, I just didn't see that coming. And uh, so we were told a gin and tonic program would never work by, by a liquor rep, a guy we're giving money to, mind you, right? Lots of money. Well, now we're moving cases really? of gin. So, kiss my ass on that one. Yeah, cases <laughs> through his account, which is annoying. Um, but nonetheless, you know, and leader cases, you know, Haymans and, and, and City of London. And uh, yeah, pretty great. Um, that is know. awesome. So, long story short, he, what he was used to for 30 years, you know, what people subscribe to and they limit themselves to. From their lack of perspective and openness is, you know, so you are your own self-limiter. So um, we were shocked because it blew up, you know. I think the exact words were, if you put the word gin on the menu, it'll be okay to change your 
tune in six months, I think, to quote. Yeah, I'm not changing my tune so much. So, uh, Shandy's. Shandy's are moving. Um, uh, The craft cocktail scene has come and gone. It inflated, it's shrunk, it's changed, it's gotten too complicated at some places. People don't want 15 part builds and they don't want to be intimidated by every other word on the menu, you right. know? So how do you how do you walk that fine line? Um, I wasn't sure and we did it. Um, we, we moved a lot more cocktails than I had anticipated. Um, we moved as much now as I had hoped we would. But when we started building this program, I had about 15 bottles of liquor total on that shelf four months ago. And I built that back bar by call. So I didn't buy anything that was dead cash. You know, as soon as, as soon as we got calls for things or we saw what was moving, we just grew on it. Then you expanded And it. just kept little by little. We didn't come in with the liquor program forcing it down your throat, telling you this is what you should think. We came in with a little bit. We just went. With, with what everybody was picking up on from us. And uh, when did you open your doors? August 1st. For now. Yeah. Good for you. Well, I, no. I hope you do well because I think that's what this town needs. And, um, I, you know, I think every just, town needs one. Oh, you know? for sure. Thank you. For sure. But definitely, you know, I mean, the downtown is really growing yeah. now. Things are yeah. happening. Um, I was raised here. And awesome. when yeah. I was living here, there was nothing. No. Um, there wasn't even a movie theater yet when yeah. I lived here. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, and nobody comes to New Albany. They go to Louisville. But for you listeners out there, if you do happen to visit Louisville, um, just come across the Sherman Minton Bridge. It's about a 10 minute drive, and you could be mm-hmm. at Pines and Union sipping on a, a great cocktail and having some small plates. It's a really cool place. So, I'm interested in your decor. A lot of stuffed, uh, animals. Yeah, taxidermy, I'm a fan. Raccoon's ass. Okay. You can't be stressed out and sit with a, a taxidermy <laughs> raccoon's ass that has been tipped by our guests. I'll post um, a photo of that. Yeah. It's pretty great. It's it like is. a thing. Um, well, we get a lot of Louisville traffic, which is really, really cool. And we give away Copper and Kings tour passes constantly. Oh, We're fun. friends with Joe and Leslie here. Oh, we and love that place. Rabbit Hole just did an event here. Uh, Wednesday night and Michter's is going to do an event here. So all of our friends from Louisville, Chef, Chef Lawrence Weeks from Garage Bar was here two nights a week, two nights ago from, uh, he's a sous chef from Garage Bar. Uh, chef Megan from Monic Brewery was here last weekend. Um, Amazing. We're doing our staff party December 2nd at Monic and Monic's going to do their staff party here in January. Very cool. So without my hometown, I would, I would drown. Yeah. I, I couldn't survive over here. Um, so I'm very grateful to Louisville because uh, we have been the anomaly that has brought people over, and I didn't think it'd be a bar, you know. Uh, yeah. But I built a bar that Louisville doesn't have. Right. Very right. intentionally, right. you know. They don't. Right. Michael and Siobhan, that own the Rover, were here two weeks ago on a Sunday, you know. Fun. And, and I told, I worked with them when they opened, and they were like, "This is great. It's wow. totally different. You you are resurrecting the pub in a totally different way and keeping it alive for thirty more years, you know, yeah. which is what the Dead Rabbit did, which is what inspired me." Um, so that is all really, really important, and we are easy to get to. The location's huge in that. You know, yeah. you can, it was so easy to get to. And Just off the freeway. I mean, go. super, super simple. Right. You're not getting lost in Indiana, yeah. which people are afraid of. And I get exactly. that. I totally understand that. Right. Um, and so, yes, the decor is uh, everything's on a dimmer. You know, like I said, I built everything to be disarming, so you don't need TVs. You can feel like it's been here forever. 
it's old school, new school, good equipment, backlit, you know, beer and can, you can see it. You don't have to get lost in a list. You have a visual, you have a secondary visual that it's a draft line, so the same on both ends. Um, these booths, uh, I wanted originally conventional English high-back booths, uh, kind of confessional style, but I, was, I think I was creeping on the pre-Vatican stuff a little bit too much. Like, <laughs> so my developer was like, well, I'll build these, but I've got these windows. And he was brilliant for doing that because you have a, a, a sense of privacy, but it's not dark and you don't feel closed in or lost. Right. Um, so the light travels through. Um, the front ended up, I asked for a fireplace mantle, he had it. I, I got some 125-ish-year-old church views. Um, Blue Ocean in Louisville, I got a lot of my furniture and taxidermy from Jason. Uh, they're having their Christmas party here too. Um, I love taxidermy. Taxidermies are in pubs and lodges. It is again proof that you don't need a TV. Uh, and I'm also helping uh, a small store in um, in Louisville um, that sells some taxidermy. So she commissions her stuff and has a placard up front. And, um, I just wanted to bring in certain elements back. You know, the piano, 1938 piano that was donated to us by some local people. Um, by law in Indiana, you have to have a rail five feet away from the bar to have people under 21 in. So I was okay with that, but I insisted it becomes a pint rail. So it's a standing pint rail, so it doubles up for volume and overspill. Um, um, then upstairs is a true public house. It's the you've seen the big tables, yes. you've seen the board games, the bookshelves, mm -hmm. the lightings on dimmers. Everything's different. Mm -hmm. Everything's just a slight distraction without being obnoxious. So tell me about the bar. Uh, the wood came from the developer's uncle's front yard. It was a tree that fell that he just took in and decided to plane it out. Had it laying around and said, would you be into this for a bar top? And I was like, absolutely. Oh, that's cool. Uh, that's so it's really beautiful. It's, it's beyond polyurethane. It's, it's a two-part chemical pour that uh, creates a very mere like wet finish at nighttime, you know, especially when you dim it. I love that this atmosphere totally changes at nighttime. During the day, it's very open and airy. And, and at nighttime, it's very kind of sepia tone down here, you know, totally different than upstairs. It's, it's very engaging and warm and has like a, a really good energy down here at nighttime. Yeah, it's great. Um, uh, the bar face is a hundred-ish year old uh, roofing from a house that he had. Um, I had done a foot rail like this previously, so I requested it. Um, the stools I picked were metal to take people's weight and abuse, and also uh, they couldn't have backs because I didn't want the backs of the stools to take away from the finish of the bar. I wanted the stools to be kind of just secondary not noticeable and incredibly functional. Wow, she really thought out every single little Everything. detail. We have coat hooks underneath the entire bar, a few plugs, coat hooks in every booth. Um, yeah, the guy I have painted in the bathroom downstairs, I wanted you to see him in the mirror to kind of creep you out, <laughs> uh, to, to kind of pay homage to the ghosts here. Um, oh, there are ghosts here. Uh, yeah. Ah. Yeah. Doesn't happen when the guests are here, but yeah. It does the same thing every time. What does it do? Uh, it only does anything if you're down here. Uh, there will be, it's the same area, a, a large thud, like a dropping of a, like a, a trunk and a dragging of it. 
very clearly like no no mistaken like wow and it was me the first time um and then i didn't think much of it and they've all jokingly been like oh yeah yeah and i said what did you hear exact same thing oh wow so i don't know who it is or what he's doing or who he's dragging in the case or whatever but yeah what was this building originally do you know uh, originally, it was a general store, and then it was uh, a pharmacy, a grocer, it was Love's Cafe, it was a bunch of shitty bars. Uh, it has always been some form of general store concept. Well, Joe, we're going to take a break right now, and I'm hoping that you're going to mix us up a cocktail from Absolutely. your menu, and when we come back, we'll, we'll taste your cocktail. Awesome. We're back like three or four gin and tonics on our original menu, and people ordered that one the most. Uh, and it is like the most straightforward, like a classic tonic syrup um, with a lot of citrus, uh, and then some spices, like allspice and uh, um, lemongrass in there as well. Uh, and then essentially, I've seen a lot of tonics at other places, tonic syrups, especially like house tonics from other places that they get really uh, muddy, they get this like red color. Um, and that's a lot of times because they're putting like this chinocha bark powder directly into their syrup. Um, and that, like, it's just dusty, it's kind of dirty, it's muddy. Uh, so with that, um, I make a tincture with Everclear and that chinocha bark powder. Uh, strain off all the powder so you've just got this red like pure alcohol with that extract of chinocha bark. So like a, really a few drops of that per cocktail adds a really strong bittering agent, uh, a lot of aromatics that you are looking for from a tonic because you don't want it to be sweet. You want it to, to be crisp and clean, have a little bit of bitterness to it, but a lot of citrus, uh, a lot of flavor. Uh, so that's what that kind of became. Uh, it's essentially like probably for every hundred cocktails we make here a night, which is that would be a really busy night for us under cocktail. So uh, that would probably be 25 to to 40 of them. It's just that one of gin and tonics. So it must be good. Oh, it's very good. What's your name? I'm Calvin Philly, the bar director. Nice to meet you. Um, and where did you learn all this stuff? Um, in a life of, I guess, any bartender, um, if they're going to be successful at all, they'll have met a few people working from place to place that are like total badasses feels like they know like when you start working with them they're like how do they know all this that knowledge just kind of gets passed along um so really like three or four years of bartending at places that were like okay or really good i met a few people who taught me some things but also like once once you kind of learn the basics of of technique and whatever else uh you can find any resource on the internet, really. The, the internet is what created this drink. I, I found a few different like tonic syrup recipes and took the stuff I liked from all of them. And, and the, the way that they were balanced, the, the, the balance of it is all gonna be the same, but the individual flavors you wanna pull out or, or showcase uh, can be totally up to you. So once you kind of, once I was able to get like a grounding of technique and, and what I understand balance of flavor to be, you can kind of take that and run with it. I think anybody could really. Um, so I, I see you have Death and Company on your back yes, bar, so that's, that's my a favorite. Good, good that's guy. my favorite book. Uh, after, like Death, Death and Company, 
Dead Rabbits, those are my two like resources that I actually do turn to a lot. Um, and then I actually just picked up Cocktail Codex. I haven't even opened it up yet because I've been too busy here. Um, yeah. All right. Well, thanks for the information. Yeah, and we're going to go back to the table and Enjoy. taste this delicious cocktail. Thank you. And we are back with a delicious gin and tonic. So, Blair, cheers. Cheers. Oh, that is good. Yeah. The difference between your standard and a really yeah, good one. And that you can tell immediately that is not any tonic you can buy anywhere. That's awesome. That's that, really good. That understated That really gentleman. is delicious. Yeah. And the lemongrass, allspice lemongrass tonic. That is really, really good. He's working on a, a green curry tonic for January so that we can do more Indian food in like, in like the worst month of the year, right? Where everybody's depressed and feels yes. bad and holiday food, you know? Right. And so we're going to show Bollywood movies upstairs <laughs> and do a, a green curry gin and tonic to totally just like Perfect. cleanse your palate. Totally different thing. And some Indian food in the middle of like the depressing month, you know? Why not? Uh, you guys are really doing it right. I was at another new bar here in town the last time I was in and... Um, they, they're doing okay, but um, I was a little disappointed that they were using sour mix. Mm. Um, and I, I noticed that you guys are you're juicing fresh, you're yeah. dehydrating, dehydrating your yeah. um, your lemons as we speak. So everything fresh. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we don't have soda guns, so people sometimes are put off by that. But we're just not. We're not. There's a difference between being pretentious. Or just doing things right you know we just want to do things right we don't we don't want it to be confusing or overwhelming we don't want cocktails that you can't possibly understand you know we just want to show you these simple elements and help you to understand them and obviously things like juicing is really important uh why would you buy sour when it's really easy to make yeah i mean you know we always have lemon juice we always have lime juice we always have simple syrup we always have he made a a, a a Guinness Demerara, you know, oh, wow. and, and for the lowdown, and did a, a great riff on kind of on an old fashioned, but did a, a, a mist, which was like the most pretentious thing we've ever done, of, of scotch. <laughs> and it worked. It worked perfectly because it just gave this, this tiny hint of peat, this nose, you know? Um, but he's brilliant with his layering. We have a, an amazing work dynamic because I'll tell him what I want an idea and they'll make it better than I would have thought of and that's amazing the so, ultimate yeah yeah so I think um, I think what separates good bartenders from great bartenders is restraint exercising mm -hmm. restraint because mm -hmm. um, you're right a lot of um, especially the larger markets I feel like they just go overboard with all the ingredients and the confusing much. yeah it's too much and keeping it simple is just delicious and I feel like we're in a a big city bar in a Thank very you. small town and yeah. I mean it's, and it's just amazing what you're doing and it's one of those like hidden gems in a big city yeah. where you just walk in off the street and all of a sudden you're like oh this is unique well, it's completely different that's funny because that's like when I go to Chicago or when I go to Nashville, which is a right. lot, I go to Treehouse, right? I sit at the bar and talk to the staff because it's like 660 and I can see the kitchen working the whole time with, next to the bartender. 
So that was ultimately my hope was to project that feeling at that place. You don't know where you are. When exactly. You're there. You have exactly. no idea what city you're in. You don't know what year it is. You don't even care. You know, you don't care. Yeah. And you're just in a great place where you feel comfortable exactly. and you're enjoying delicious cocktails and good food. And if we don't disarm you, you know, what are we doing? You know, if, if somebody needs to go somewhere and feel fancy, let them do that. That's great. You know what I mean? But if you're really coming to a pub, it doesn't mean you're slinging garbage and it doesn't mean it needs to be the coolest thing. It means it should be interesting enough and disarming and make you feel like you never want to leave. Like you always want to be here. You know? And that's kind of the point. You know? So I appreciate that comment. Well, it's short, but that, that means a lot because that's what we're going for. Well, it's amazing. We love what you're doing and we wish you all the best. Thank you. In, in this great little town that I grew up in. Joe Phillips, thank you so much for thank doing you. our show. We really appreciate it. Thank you. And a wonderful place, great cocktail. Awesome. So everybody come to Pints and Union in New Albany, Indiana. And, and just for our Columbus listeners, it's about a three hour road trip completely worth it. Yes, bourbon country is great down here, but the cocktail scene is incredible as well. Well, uh, thanks for listening today and be sure to check out our website, the Columbus Craft Cocktail Tour. Um, check it out for our upcoming tour dates and you can get your tickets there. And thanks to our producer, Greg Hansberry, and to our original music by the biographer. And Blair, you wanna take us out? Always remember to drink responsibly, tip appropriately, and be cocktail curious. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.